0: Segment number two here in MNCAA is is our NCHC crew, which means it is Vendi Vidi Veach. Max. How you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you, Nick?
0: I'm not bad. D- did I botch that interview, by the way, or that intro? I think I did. Is it Vendi Vidi or is it?
1: Wh- it's Italian. It? I'm not Italian. It's close enough for me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault you. I just listened to some linguistic actually on an interview as boring as it sounds to most people. They were talking about people that correct them, even though you know what they meant and how annoying that is. So I'm trying to be a better person, and I'm just letting stuff slide now. Like I know what you meant; it's no big deal.
0: Well, hey, you passed your first test. Uh, I'd like to see though how you're going to let this last weekend for you and mm-hmm. hockey slide. I know. How about that sideway, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Well, unfortunately, Max, uh, we. S- I shouldn't say we're surprised at the results. Um, I I think we knew going into this weekend, North Dakota was going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulders after being swept by Colorado college. Um, However, we hoped that UMD would put up at least a bit of a fight. Um, How would you assess the weekend?
1: Um, talking about Friday, I think there's a, a book that would be a pretty apt title for, for a summary of that game. And it's, you know, UMD and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Um,
0: (laughs) I feel like I've read that in my childhood somewhere.
1: (laughs) You probably absolutely did. It is a children's book and, uh, the bulldogs played like children. Um, I, I don't know what else to describe Friday's game as, um, it was another one. Uh, I think it's the third weekend in a row, fourth or fifth time it's happened this year, where they gave up a goal. I used to have to say the first minute. Now I'm just going to add five seconds. First minute and five seconds, they they gave up another one, and it was just downhill from there. I mean, it set the tone early, and there was there was no recovering um, at all for UMD. I, I don't think they had a shot until like seven minutes in or something of the first period, and it was um, evident uh, that they just did not come come ready to play. Um, I. I don't want to be too critical because they are younger guys playing with, you know, a couple of centers gone and trying to get back in the swing of things on the road and so many different excuses. Um, But I I don't know that there's a a really good excuse for getting blown out six to nothing and not really having um, anything worthwhile to show for it. So um, yeah, I I hope that's not too blunt, but they whiffed on two separate breakaways they missed on a, a net that was 80% open. You know, Ludwig Pearson was out of position and just was trying to get some limbs in the way and just shot it right into his glove. Uh they lost the face-off battle again. They lost the block battle, so it was like a lack of effort on that. And too. they had double the amount of penalties. Nothing about that game was good. You can look down every single statistical category and, and they were on the the losing the, the losing side of it um Friday um so it didn't set the tone for a, a very good weekend the best they could do was kind of lick their wounds going into saturday and maybe they did that at best um, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's it's tough right max and and you know i'm not so sure and and maybe i you know i don't know if cuz you said that you didn't feel like the bulldogs came ready to play i i don't know if i'm on the same camp only because again und came in to this weekend with something to prove a little bit, not uh, pulling excuses for the Bulldogs. And I want to make sure that I'm clear on that, but I also think Uh, as a Husky
1: fan, you can't defend the Bulldogs. I get it. Yeah,
0: no. (laughs) How many times? Well, the way it sits, this could be quite another, well, regular season right into a first round matchup, which is a trap series for the Huskies. So Mm -hmm. if you think I'm sitting here in my high laurels thinking I'm really that good, the answer is no. Um, (laughs) On the second part, Max, though, um, Saturday again, the response, right? Maybe North Friday, North Dakota gets, you know, you know the, the angry, you know, souls out of them. Maybe they settle down a bit. Unfortunately, it was uh, another two loss weekend for UMD. Uh, but was Saturday any better?
1: Oh, before I forget, and I will forget because I'm just so scatterbrained when we get to these. It was another two loss weekend. It was for the second time this year an entire month where umd did not win when they were playing granted there was only three series in this month whatever i mean that's two separate months where they went winless and um that's only happened one other time under Sandlin, and i think it was like 2014 or something so a decade ago um so it's unfamiliar territory and it's frustrating for fans and players there was some you know comments where the the guys were you know saying that they had to kind of pick each other up and, you know, not go out at each other. So there sounds like there could be a little bit of a you know, locker room, not infighting. That's probably a, a little bit too harsh of a word, but um not as close knit as pre- previous groups have been. And when you're in a, a slump like they are right now um, it's, it's easy to see how it could kind of devolve into that. Even, you know, your friends when things aren't going right um, it's easy to, to kind of pick at, at one another. And it's not always, you know, um, mean per se or um with with an evil intent or however you want to put it um but even those lighthearted jabs can be taken to heart um when you're already kind of vulnerable. makes it sound like they're weak and they're not they're they're, they're good players they're strong players or whatever but you know what i mean in terms of um, when things are already going bad you, you seem a little bit more irritable to start with so that being out of the way saturday um, Slightly better. Uh, obviously, they, they didn't get shut out. It was a, a two to four loss. And at at one point, it seemed like it was going to be a, a pretty good game. Again, they, they got down early and had to work their way back in. Um, but there were there were a couple of bright spots to look on. Um, again, it's a couple of these guys that are are getting minutes that probably otherwise wouldn't have if it was a healthy roster and people were winning and everything else because they started the season not having all the opportunities in the world, but Aiden Dubinsky, um, he scored and had a, a two-point night, which is awesome for him. He just scored his first goal um, over the weekend, I believe, uh, or maybe it was two weekends ago. Regardless, late in the season is when he started to, to, to kind of put it on here. Jack Smith, um, the only player above 50% at the faceoff dot for UMD uh, on Saturday, and he was only you know 6 of 10, but 60% for UMD is excelling. Um and he scored the, the second goal for UmD. So it's it's not the the the, the big name guys they're that, that are pulling through, but you're getting some of that depth scoring, and that's been missing um uh, from, from UmD. And you you've seen it this this whole month here, um, when Ben Steves isn't scoring, I think they're like one in twelve on the season now. So um it's still true, uh, but if he scores and we get some of this other um Production elsewhere. I think they'll be in a much better spot. It's just a matter of figuring out how to get two things done at once there. So um, I think it can happen. I think there are things to build off of, um, lessons to be learned. For I think the third weekend in a row, uh, UMD gets called for another game misconduct penalty, um, and that was in a scrum at the end of the second period. There, were, I think you know eight of the twelve penalties that were called in the game were all at that that fourteen or fifteen minute mark uh, of that period as well. So it wasn't just him. But it was, um, you know, the, the, the same type of thing that they get lured into and baited into time and time again, where it's these additional penalties or roughing or whatever. And, you know, I always blame it on the refs having a, an agenda against UMD. But, you know, in reality, I'm, I'm well aware that it is a little bit more of the, the discipline and finding yourself, like getting yourself into positions where you need to be playing a little bit more physical to kind of set the tone or slow things down for your, for your team um and they just they did it again so um not not great on that front especially when you're going up against a team like UND um they were effective on the power play they were three for nine so 30 percent uh on the weekend uh and UMD didn't score power play on the weekend only had three power plays so um not not great um and at least they had more shots that's that's one other thing is you know they limited North Dakota's opportunities um much much better on Saturday um Granted, there were still um, some, some massive defensive lapses that led to these goals. Um, you saw some, some speed getting around UMD, which has been an issue for a while, and it remained an issue over the weekend. Um, but they, they just didn't let a, a barrage of shots um, <laughs> into the net, basically, at free will uh, all, all game long. So that was one positive among the other ones I listed there. So there are things to work on. Um, there are things to build off of. They just need to figure out a way, like I said, to, to put it all together here if they want to remain competitive these last two series and into the postseason.
0: It's, uh, shall we say, later than we normally would see if a Scott Sandland led team would start to turn things around, right? And yeah. I think that's probably the most disheartening thing if you're a UMD fan, which is despite the struggles this season you've had, you're still above every single team in the CCHA. You're still yeah. seven in the pairwise. yeah that's um, <laughs> crazy they're, they're 27 crazy? in the
1: pairwise. yeah they they <laughs> lost they got swept three weekends in a row and they've gone down two spots in the pairwise. that just goes to show like what the strength of schedule is because you know a, a, as the math and as i understand it, maybe i'm wildly wrong here but as the math like points out it doesn't matter how bad you lose it's just a loss is a loss and whatever team you're playing against there so the fact that, you know, they're they're only dropping that much goes to show how good these other teams are. And you can see it in the pairwise rankings, um, Denver, North Dakota, and then, you know, a, a talented Omaha team that just swept CC last weekend, swept in quotes for those that are just listening there, swept CC last weekend.
0: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, it's... It's bizarre. And uh, I wish you could teach this to the Arizona State fans because (laughs) uh, there seems to be a misunderstanding of how important a record actually is. And it's not just about the numbers, but the meaning behind the numbers. But we would be here for a while longer than we have to be able to explain to that fan base. But I digress. Um, So, Max, let's, I guess, real briefly before we get into more of a broader scope look at the NCHC. Minnesota Duluth right so it, it doesn't get any easier uh CC after sh- I don't know if shocking the hockey world but certainly you know put themselves on the front pages of a lot of college hockey publications sweeping yep. UND
1: uh and and on uh, let me ask you this season's a season sweep a season of UND. Not, sweep, not only right? but the second time this year yeah
0: very impressive um but then they get swept by Omaha and yeah Here's the question when I want to post to you, was it a down weekend for CC or maybe I should phrase it as is CC, not as good as advertised or is Omaha just better than maybe we have noticed. Which one is it?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Like Colorado college is a good of course team. You would pull it the
0: Ryan a... Steag safe answer. Yeah.
1: I mean, no, <laughs> it really is though. Like I, I think, um, Colorado College being ranked tenth in the nation was probably a little bit high, but they had all the momentum they were the hottest hottest team in the second half of the season, and there's no doubts about that you 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 in general the the royal u had to put them that high just based on what they've been doing and how they've been performing, and if that kept up, they could be as high as you know six at the end of this week maybe that's a little bit aggressive, but you get the point um so it was a momentum thing, and Embarrico was you know, otherworldly and they were getting production all over the place. But at the same time, um, Omaha is just been one of those kind of like chugging along pretty steady teams. And they've had some shocking losses, but who hasn't, At, at you know, at this point in the season. Um, so it's just, they caught them on on two separate nights where they, they just had a better plan and um, weren't able to get weren't um, Colorado college wasn't able to get anything past the goaltender for Omaha there. And, um i don't think it should be a shock to people that that can happen and one of the, the wins was a tie and they just won the shootout so it was a close game it's not like they blew them out both nights they did get a shutout on the first night um but it, it was a good series and that's kind of what you expect with teams that are kind of fighting in the quote-unquote middle of the nchc um and i i would expect that can that to continue for the remainder of the season here and both of those teams are are fighting for a, a playoff spot right now still um and if they both continue to play like they have been, we'll just say in the whole last month, um, I think they both could make it, you know, theoretically we could see another five, maybe if we get some crazy outcomes, six teams in the, from the NCHC in the postseason or in the NCAA tournament there. Um, five, I think is actually pretty likely six, I think is a stretch, but there's six ranked teams right now. So um, not technically out of the question.
0: It's goofy, right? And the reason why I bring up CC is, well, Funny enough, you get these same Tigers next weekend and ironically also off of a weekend that they wish had better results. So it's like, hmm, we have seen this chapter in the book before. Yeah, two Uh, weekends in a row. Right. But Max, here's the difference. You know, the last chapter is now written in in the past. You have a blank slate in front of you. Uh, So how does UMD essentially try to ensure that, you know, you don't get the same result despite the chapter and maybe the plot line being very similar?
1: Yeah, uh, I think they have to go back to when they faced CC in Duluth. Obviously, you're not going to have that that whole-mice advantage there, but you're talking about two different 3-2 games. Uh, I think both went into overtime. I know one did, and it was just a, a an even weekend split there. They have to go back to that same formula and play the exact same way. I, I don't care if you have to pull the tapes and go back to the exact same lines, provided everybody's healthy and can do that. Um, regardless of everybody's playing, I, I think you have to return to the well there. Um, with the exact same game plan, because clearly what's been going on the last month has has not been working. Um, so, figuring out a way to get some some high quality shots against the Barco—that's what it's going to take to beat a guy like him. Uh, figuring out a way to stop Noah Laba is so the primary um, and maybe only way that you're you're going to stop that offense. There, um, 16 goals on the year for him. If if you can cut that out, um, it's not the size of as high of a percentage as Ben Steves, but you have to approach it the same way that other teams approach Ben Steves is isolate him, make sure he's not the one that's getting those open opportunities in the slot or in his his high scoring areas there, wherever those might be and and cutting it down that way. So if you take those two parts and you can execute on those very well, you can afford some mistakes in other areas there and still make it a competitive game. So returning back to what they did previously is, is in my opinion, the answer in terms of how you approach this.
0: An important uh stretch coming up for everybody in the NCHC Max. And uh yeah. you know, despite the fact that shall we say it's been a a troublesome season, there's still a technically a chance here, right? I mean, you could go on a late season run. Um, you could go two years ago, or was it three now where Fanti had a um, shutouts and never knew him. didn't even allow a goal in the NCAT frozen faceoff. I think that was two years yeah. ago. Um, it was that so late, too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not out of the question. Granted, the probability, the numbers would say that is a stretch, as you mentioned. Yeah. But uh, it's not impossible. And sometimes maybe you just need one game to light a spark and you just never know what can happen, right? Um, so. With that being said, let's reset the table for the NCHC, right? After this weekend's results. Um, how about this? North Dakota still maintaining its number one spot at 43 points. St. Cloud after a really good weekend for them. Uh, 40 points to take four to six against Western Michigan. Uh, Denver yep. at 36. CC at 34. That's your home ice. Um, holders right now western michigan though in 5th they're not far behind at 31 as you mentioned omaha 28 points a good solid weekend again for them you just never know right and then do with a 21 miami at seven um still not impossible to continue to climb the rankings uh max but it, the, the math is certainly trending not in your favor but let me ask you this um it's still pretty close in the nchc Um, It really, really is. I mean, St. Cloud, you know, if I can go back real quick, I had it on the top of my head. They're essentially six points ahead of CC for a home ice spot. That's one weekend, right? Um, So uh, still a lot of things can change. Uh, But what's important for these teams that are either right outside or inside the home ice position to either improve their chances um, so that would be Western Michigan and, and right now Omaha having a, a mm-hmm. shot at home ice. And then for teams like CC, Denver, and I would even throw St. Cloud in there. What do they have to do to make sure they stay there?
1: I, I don't even know if we have to worry about St. Cloud State right now. They would have to give up a goal differential of nine points right now to fall out of that that spot. But I think Denver, I mean, at thirty six. They're they're well in approachable range there. Um and not that St. Cloud can afford to take their gas off the pedal if they want an auto bit either, because they're in that danger range, you know, that um uh, I think they're eleven right now, uh, but top of eleven tie. Um mm-hmm. uh so they, they still need to execute, but as far as NCHC home ice goes, I think they can, you know, not feel like they have to be going balls to the walls every single shift. They can play smart hockey. Um Omaha I think this upcoming weekend is huge for them, but they shouldn't get too excited and they should be playing smart hockey as well. I mean, they've got a good opportunity against Miami to climb in the national rankings out of that 17 pairwise spot where they're automatically cut no matter what anyway, into maybe some of that more competitive territory where they're fighting for one of those at-large bids and get up into the 13, 14, 13 is a stretch, 14, 15 range from 17 right now um, From if if they're able to sweep Miami. And then they go off to face I think it's North Dakota in that last weekend there, and they're gonna to have to so a to to split that one so if they win you know three of their next four sweeping Miami fingers crossed for them um and can split against North Dakota, that's gonna do wonders for them in terms of um, both pairwise and n c h c um standings here but um u m d they're they're not technically they could win if they sweep the rest of the season here. And Colorado College loses out, and Western Michigan loses all but one game, and Omaha loses all but one game. So, um, yeah, the, the hopes are not, are not high for that. Um, I've already resigned to the fact that if they are going to make the playoffs... They aren't. Uh, <laughs> they're they're going to have to win the NCHC postseason tournament. Um, but I'm just hoping that they're able to get some things um, sorted out there. Whereas all these other teams are, are actually fighting for legitimate shots at home ice or at um, a, a really good um, showing to climb out of that. And that that's another good point um, as well. If if Omaha doesn't get three of the the last four games here, and they just go fi- just go 500. If they, you know, make it to that championship game of the NCHC tournament, those wins against those high caliber teams are going to do a lot for them in the standings as well. And that's where you're going to get into the the potential for six NCHC teams um to make it. If Colorado College plays well the next two weekends, St. Cloud and Western stay where they're at, you can get five of those teams in the top 14, um, and then have Omaha take one of those extra spots, which now that I'm doing the math, Omaha would then be taking away that 14 seed. So the likelihood of six is really low because no, of where yeah. everybody's at. So, yeah, uh, we're, looking at, we're looking at four or five. But, I mean, four or five of eight teams is, is really, really good odds. And, um, yeah, I, I think that any one of those top five, we'll just say I, any one of those top six teams um, could win it. I think some are going to need some more help than others. But we just saw, like like we were talking about earlier, we just saw Omaha put together one hell of a weekend against a good Colorado college team. Uh, we've seen Colorado College sweep North Dakota twice. We've seen Denver lose to uh, nobodies this year. Um, St. Cloud State has had two separate runs where they've had some really, really tough t- tough stretches uh, at the beginning of the year. And then this past, you know, not this past weekend or the weekend prior, but I think three or four weeks prior to that where they were technically winless in regulation. So everybody's gone through their, their ups and downs and slumps and streaks. Um, so any one of those teams could end up winning it. Um, but I think it's going to require um, teams getting hot, whether that's on the offensive side or a hot goalie. And I would say three of these teams have a much better shot at catching a hot goalie than some of the other ones. So um, I don't want to count anybody out, uh, no. but I, I would say that the, every one of those six teams has a shot.
0: Agreed there, Max. Uh, let's uh, set the pairwise uh, situation here real quick. So North Dakota is at three, Denver's at six St. Cloud now, after the weekend that they had, uh, was at 14, maybe 15, depending on how you looked at it. They mm-hmm. jumped to 11 after taking four yeah. against Western Michigan. That was huge. And um, yeah. some Huskies fans would say we should have won both games. Um, I don't disagree <laughs> yeah. with that. Um, I, hey, I don't
1: disagree either. I, I know based on the rules and you know clear, evident, whatever, um, they needed to see the goal or the puck over the goal line with a white space in between that's how it's written you need to see it logically based on how you know our work our world universe whatever works if a puck is at position a and the next frame is at position b and position b is in the goalie's glove behind the goal line before he's got possession of it that's a goal i know you can't see it and prove it with one frame of visual evidence but that's that's just how physics and like placement of materials work so yes how that was held up as a a, you know a good save granted all the credit to the goaltender I mean he put himself in a good position that was a goal it should have been a goal I think that there is going to be a lengthy conversation in the offseason with that used as evidence for you know uh, uh maybe more funding put towards goal line cameras i, I don't know what it is Full motion I guarantee goal line cameras you need a, yeah,
0: you know phantom i think hang, hanging over every single goal right now Max. Yeah, um
1: i guarantee that 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 specific play is reviewed
0: I don't disagree with that. And uh, we covered this quite a bit in depth in our sister show on the Huskies woman house podcast. And uh, I was in the booth for that game against shadowing the wonderful gentleman of Alex Heinert and Steve uh, Starman, the entire CBS crew, yes. which were excellent, by the way, um, got to see that all happen in real time. And again, just as we mentioned in the other show, talk with the NCHC official. The worst part about that play was he said it himself. It's not that we couldn't see the puck over the line. We couldn't see the puck, period, yeah. because of the frame rate on the camera. It was just Correct. that you couldn't see it, right? Yeah. Um, and I, we had a conversation about, you know, the call on the ice is so huge, too, Max. Because here's the other part, and we talked about this too. If that had been called a goal on the ice, too, there wasn't also isn't anything to say it wasn't either. Um, right. The video was just—I don't want to say it was bad, but it was just—it was so inconclusive, right? It just, Correct. It was just a very goofy thing, but. I digress from that. Uh, Saint Cloud in a much better spot pairwise than they were entering the week in Western Michigan, going sure. from ten to twelve, so are still okay. Yep. yep. And then uh, it's Colorado College again. Uh, you talk about a roller coaster: up to ten, back down to fifteen after the weekend. Omaha at seventeen, so they're yep. on the doorstep, not that far away um, from making an at-large push. Yep. Uh, so, but again, the strength of the NCHC, Max. Uh, I, I think we'll maybe wrap up with this is you know over the last couple of seasons there's been so much talk about the big 10 and um just how they sort of taken over and i love the smile by the way that tells me exactly yeah. how this is going to be answered and, and there's an argument to made that the big 10 has made some strides i, I think we're on for the sure. same page there absolutely um, and that's great for the entire game of college, college hockey so I, I think we can at least set the baseline there however two years out of 10 if we're, if we're going to give them it right, mm-hmm. they were been the best conference, maybe two of the last three. Sure. Whatever. But the NCHC knocking on the door with four, maybe five, maybe six teams yet again, going to the NCAA tournament. Is it really still the big 10 this year or is it the NCHC going? Uh, uh, no, you, you have, you can't forget about us.
1: Yeah. Um. I want to preface how I answer this by making sure I state I like Big Ten hockey. Big Ten hockey has some of the most talented players in the nation. They produce great NHL talent. They have fun games where they're scoring and you know incredible passes. There is great goaltending from I think four different schools had Mike Richter finalists announced. Maybe five. Now that I'm thinking about it, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, maybe. It's, uh, yeah, four. Uh, but like they are a good conference until they win a national championship. Everybody is going to say that they're nobody still. And there's, there's an argument to be said for you are a a talented conference that can play well against each other when it comes to playing against, you know, some of these older or bigger or whatever, more structured teams in, in college hockey. um, It's been proven that they're, they're outworked or can't compete, whether it's, drive from guys that have been grinding for four or five years and you know want that national championship because that's the last time they're going to be playing hockey at a you know you know semi-professional competitive level or if it's um something else we, we just don't know what it is but the big 10 has not fared well in postseason play to date we that's this is me saying it after the gophers were in the national championship game last year and there was no nchc team to be seen but they still lost to an older, bigger, stronger team, and that's just the, what it's been um, for Big Ten hockey. And if we're being really honest, that's been really similar for Hockey East, and they've got some championships since we had this whole rearrangement in 2014, but it's... Um, it's they've they've got that argument of of titles on their side, so uh, it's hard to say that they're a bad um, conference, because you see all the talent that's coming out, and they do have a lot of one-and-dones, which leads to all this turnover, and people moving from school to school with the transfer portal, whatever. There's there's just something that they haven't been able to do in the postseason. And I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to do it this this year. I think that Michigan State and Wisconsin and Minnesota, like all of those are very, very competitive schools that I think two of those are probably going to make it to the Frozen Four. But we'll see how much farther they make it past that given uh, the level of um, history or inconsistency both that we've seen from them in the past and this year continue.
0: And this is, uh, well, the last season of what we may now refer to as the legacy era of the NCHC as Arizona State, yep. the team that has uh, made the headlines, <laughs> uh, not for all the right reasons. Uh, more yep. recently, just this weekend, uh, a couple of players coming out of the box against Alaska Fairbanks and yep. having a Donnie Brook there. Again, that's an automatic, for those who don't know, an automatic three-game suspension in college hockey. And then Greg Powers, the head coach, coming out and essentially saying, Know nope, if that player on our squad is done for the year indefinitely, so even team activities, I, I think it's the right call. Um, yeah. I do wonder, Max, uh, before we go, if um, a certain commissioner of another league also may have phoned in and uh have been like, Yeah, this ain't going to happen with us next year, so buckle up there, buggo. Um, so I don't know, it just yeah. You, you, and I get it. Like Arizona State, that you could not lose that game if you had any sort of small chance remaining to make an at large bid. They did. So yep. I get the emotions are high, but there's a, um, there's an NCHC way to handle it. Um, and I'll just quote Brett Larson before I give you the last word. I remember yep. the national championship game, they're down five nothing. There was nothing going right for St. Cloud. Um, and that probably goes back to the first one minute of that game when VD and hit the crossbar, came out straight out at that puck is what a quarter of an inch lower. That's bar yeah. down and in who knows what happens in the rest of the game. They may still have lost uh, was the
1: traditional mystery, Alaska storyline. You hit the crossbar yeah. and out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Right. Uh, but he said, you know, after the game, he's like, you know, we're we're not going to start running around. We're not going to throw in cheap shots. We're going to lose the Husky way. Yeah. That means we're going to lose the class. We're going to compete hard, but we're not going to let our emotions and, you know, make this not about hockey. Um, so with that being said, um, Arizona state has got some work to do before their first game in the NCHC sweater.
1: Yeah, they, they absolutely do. Um, uh, there's been a lot of back and forth on people that like fighting in college hockey and don't like it. And you know, this, that, or the other thing, it's never going to be a part of college hockey, regardless of how many people like it. The, you know, you're not gonna be able to go from face mask to visors. All of these things are due to liability and colleges and universities not wanting to be liable just based on injuries and everything else that's going to go into it. And, totally understandable if you ask me i i get it that the younger players um in some of these other developmental leagues are allowed to fight and everything and then they have to go to the college level an area where they can't wear the visors and can't fight and then they have to go in some cases onto the nhl where you're going back and forth and so it's you know just quote michael scott snip snap snip snap make a decision what am i doing here and some of them have a, a harder time figuring it out um but yeah, uh, I enjoy fights in hockey in general. I think that it does have a place in terms of if you're in a slump in a game and you need to get your, you know, your team out of it, you're not able to be a scoring threat, you can produce a, a change of pace in a different way and get guys fired up and go out and play a little bit harder through some physicality. I think both parties have to consent to it. I think you know everybody, uh, again, time and place. You don't go around doing it every single game. Shout out the Rangers. Um, but, (laughs) but when it's needed and called for, I I think that there, there is a place for it in hockey and the people that want to take it out, you're just eliminating a certain player from the sport. And that's, that's a a tragic travesty in my opinion. So, um, I'm always going to be, maybe not always, I'm typically going to be a, a proponent for fighting and the role that it gives some of these, you know, more team guys. Um, but uh, I can understand where where the universities and everything are at and the stance that they're taking. On. So uh, yeah, that's that. I, I think that Tucker Ness is going to get that fight photo framed. If, the, if it's the last competitive hockey game he plays, we'll see. I think he does have eligibility left um, being a, a, a how young he is. So we'll see where he ends up going or what, what comes of it there. But um, it was interesting and drove some storylines and conversation, put some eyes on college hockey. So it's hard to say it's bad for the sport. Now There's more people talking about it, uh, but I, I know it's not something that everybody's going to want every weekend, especially at this level.
0: Would definitely agree there, Max. Uh, and uh, as we mentioned before, still two regular season weekends away for the NCHC before we begin um, the NCHC tournament. Um, so yeah, we got a lot of things still to uh, kind of sort themselves out. We have a uh, teams that could, magically catch fire. We have teams that could yep. magically slump. That's the beauty of this conference. You just never know. Um speaking of which, uh talk about a conference no one has a freaking clue about. Uh it's the CCHA and all the gang is back to talk about me with me, I should say. Can you tell that the uh, the words are coming not easy to me today, but uh we're going to discuss everything that happened this past weekend and um yeah, try to get make sense of it. That's next year in NCAA.